Hello, stackers, and welcome to another special episode of Stack of Dice. This is Rhett, the Dungeon Master, and with me, winding around my legs, is Pepper, the one-year-old kitten that we rescued last year. I wanted to take a few minutes to share some thoughts about what I have learned in the course of running the Stack of Dice podcast for the last two years. It's hard to believe it's already been two full seasons And a lot has happened in that time, obviously. If you've stuck with us from the beginning, you know that there's been a lot going on, both in-game and out. And so it's just, I think, good for me to reflect for a bit and try and think about some of the things that I've picked up. If you have followed the course of the show, the actual play episodes in particular, you know that for a long time I would ask players questions to try and prompt their thoughts and help them to think through their characters and aspects of gameplay and that sort of thing. But I think there's a lot of value for dungeon masters to also take time and reflect on things that they have learned. And so that's what I'm trying to do in this short episode, is to go over the things that I have experienced and that hopefully I have learned from. And so I'm going to share a few quick pointers, uh, lessons that I have learned from my time as a dungeon master for this game in particular. But of course, any dungeon master time is worth reflecting on. And again, as many of you know, I first heard about the game about Dungeons and Dragons at a very young age. I I believe I was in about third grade, so that would have been the early 80s. And of course, I played through high school with a very close group of friends. We would spend Friday nights in my friend Scott's basement, working our way through a world of his own devising with lots of (laughs) campaign settings mishmashed together. And it was a lot of fun. And that was really my first true introduction to playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I really appreciated Scott and the rest of the gang inviting me to be a part of that because it is a special part of my memory. And I had run several games in the past. Since I knew what the game was, I was usually the one introducing people to it. And so, of course, everyone else is brand new. I'm the one who knows the most about it. And so guess who got to be the Dungeon Master? So there were several games that I ran But they tended to be very episodic, didn't last very long. And then we got to this game. And the Stack of Dice podcast has been so much fun. It's been great to see the story grow. It's been great to see the players really get into their characters, to see the characters themselves grow. And like I've mentioned in previous episodes, this is the game that has run the longest, not only in terms of time, but also in terms of level. I've never run a game where characters have gotten up to level 9 and beyond. And so it's been a lot of fun to experience this sort of thing as a dungeon master. And I think the players have really taken a shine to it. And I think (laughs) I'm spoiling Meredith because this is her first real-time playing. And uh, to have a ninth level character has been a lot of fun for her. And of course, the complexity of the story has been rewarding for me. There have been a lot of elements that I'm trying to tie in, and maybe with varying levels of success, but it's been good to see this story come together as it has, and hopefully I'll be able to keep it tight and give some meaningful resolutions to certain threads that are running through it. But like I said, this isn't an episode about my personal history as a player and dungeon master, but rather, what have I learned One of the most rewarding and meaningful exercises we can do as people, I think, is reflect. And that's something that I'm trying to work on myself. I'm a 
person who likes to do. I don't like to be, unfortunately. And I think there's a lot of good in just sitting and being, reflecting and listening and thinking about what's coming at me and trying to make sense of it. Because from that, you can build a base and move on to better things. And it's something that Meredith is very good at and that I appreciate about her is she is good at synthesizing information. She's good at pulling together things and thinking about them and then using that as a foundation from which to work at an elevated level. So that's what I'm trying to do through this. But not to make it sound boring or anything, I think I just want to share six lessons with you, things that I have learned as a dungeon master through this podcast in particular, but as a dungeon master for many games generally. Lesson one is consistency. My goal from the outset of running this podcast was to have it run on a weekly basis. And I figured if we can be consistent, if we can give listeners something to look forward to, something to expect, then great. Uh, That's probably going to be our biggest key to success. I knew going in that not every episode was going to be a gold nugget, that there were going to be some rocks in there too. And sure enough, I have favorite episodes and I have least favorite episodes. But I hope that by being consistent, that we have maybe smoothed out some of those rough spots and made it so that overall the story has been enjoyable to listen to and to become a part of. By setting a timeline and sticking with it as much as makes sense, it's good for players because they know when we're playing, they know what to expect story-wise, they know what to expect timeline-wise. And so we know that once a month we're going to meet to record actual play episodes. We know that once a week we're going to have a new episode coming out. And so I think the consistent aspect of running the game, of making sure that everyone is aware of when we're meeting and one one of the questions I asked each of the players at the outset was, is this something you can commit to long-term? Is this something that you are going to be a part of for the long haul? And each of them said yes, and I'm grateful that each of them stuck with it. And then when it comes to this story, I think consistency is a great aspect of something to learn as a dungeon master. You want to be consistent with your story, with your world, and that takes a lot of work. We'll talk a bit about that in another lesson that I want to share with you later. But I want to stress the fact that having a story that ties together and that takes elements and links them and makes them meaningful is a really important part of a game because it gives players something to work toward. It gives them something to perhaps desire. We know that as the story has been unfolding, that the players have become more and more motivated to destroying the evil growing in this world. And so they are probably now more than ever ready to take on the ultimate evil in the world. But even little things, little elements, recurring characters, storylines that come and go throughout the story, these are elements of consistency that you can put into a game and come back to from time to time. And as players take care of one thing, this other recurring thing comes up and maybe they'll shift to that as they can. And so it gives options for players in navigating through the world that you're creating together. And by being consistent, by keeping those elements going, you're actually weaving a tapestry that 
becomes richer the more time you spend with it. So be consistent, Dungeon Masters, in terms of time, in terms of story, and I think you'll see that the game becomes richer as a result. Lesson number two, put yourself into the game. And by that, I really mean two things. First of that is dedicate time. Thane and I have spoken a lot about the time we spent discussing the game beforehand. Before we even recorded episode one, we spent a lot of time talking about the world. We spent time talking about the history. We spent time trying to come up with little details that could make the world compelling and feel lived in. And so that was a lot of fun. Taking time to really pour ourselves into it and make it feel rounded and rich, that was a neat aspect of it. Spending time planning. As a dungeon master, one of the things that you're going to find yourself doing is taking a lot of time preparing the world. And that's going to be coming up with customs, languages, like I said earlier, history, writing it down, trying to organize your thoughts in a way that they're easy to get back to. Uh, there's a lot that goes into getting ready to play a game. Understanding the rules, spending time in the rules books to make sure you have at least a working knowledge of where stuff is and how the game works. Spending time planning is a great way to put yourself into your game. And then finally, the wiki. Uh, this was a, a side element. It's fallen by the wayside a little bit in what I had anticipated from the outset. I, I wanted to spend more time doing wiki work. My professional life, my home life, it's really derailed that effort, but I do want to spend some time trying to flesh that out some because as, every time I spend time writing on an article, I think, man, why don't I do this more often? And I, I definitely see a lot of value in it because not only does it record the things that we've talked about in game, but it gives me a little freedom to, uh, to expand. So for instance, the Asimeries article that I read and wrote a few special episodes ago. That was a lot of fun because it took an existing character and then added a bunch of dimension to him. And that bakes in a lot of goodness in your games. So take the time to find ways to put yourself into your game so that you're developing a world that by the time your players get to it, they feel like, wow, there is so much here. Where do we even begin? Now, obviously, as a dungeon master, you want to guide players. You want to give them very clear hooks and that sort of thing. But just having that, that wealth of surrounding information without being overbearing can be a very fun and engaging part of the game. But number two, by putting yourself into it, what I mean is put your stamp on it. Is there some particular aspect of life that you want to maybe explore? Do you have interests that you want to put into the game? Because after all, Dungeon Masters, if it's your world, make it your world. Make it a play box, a place where you can dive into things that have been interesting you for a long time. I love, love, love language. And so I've tried to put in little elements that explore aspects of language, like Thump's use of smell in order to communicate. Maybe you are interested in politics. Put politics into your game. You have an interest in seafaring or exploration or geography or archaeology or anything that really piques your interest, try and work that in, but do it in a way that appeals to your players still because not everyone has the same interests. That gives you a corner of your world at the very least where you can feel like an expert regardless of 
how well prepared you are in the game. So that way, as players are getting to that element of the game, you're now working from a base of knowledge that you already have. That's a comforting feeling for dungeon masters. So dungeon masters, don't be afraid to put yourself into your games in numerous ways. The third lesson that I think I've learned is rule and move on. There are plenty of times where the players throw things at me. Most of the time, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on the rules and the mechanics of the game. (laughs) You may differ from my opinion, and that's fine. But there are times when the players throw things at me, and I just have no clue how to proceed. And in those cases, I basically just make a quick ruling on how to proceed, and then we do it and we move on. And the benefit of this, what I've learned is, you take care of the immediate need, and then you get back to the story. Because really, the players are here to engage in a story. They're here to be a part of a world that is an escape from reality. Not uh, We didn't come together to debate rules or semantics or things like that. We came together to tell a story together. And so anything that gets in the way of that, I'm going to try and push to the side or at least take care of as quickly as possible so that we can get back to enjoying our purpose for being together. Now, Some players love to argue rules. Some groups like to get into that sort of detail. Go for it. If that's appealing to you and to your players, by all means, engage in it. But for us, especially with a wide listening audience, we want to make sure that we're not bogging it down. And so we try and keep it tight. We try and keep it concise. And if it gets too out of hand, that gets chopped out of the episode. But for the most part, don't be afraid to make your own ruling and then just get back to the story. Your ruling may not be the way it's written in the book, but you know what? Even the book says that's fine. It's very clear. The Dungeon Master's Guide says if if rules are getting in the way, toss the rules. Just have fun playing a game. When you're making an off-the-cuff ruling, however, I've learned that it's best to make sure that the player that's affected, player or players that are affected, agree with the ruling before you proceed. Maybe listen to their insights before making it a firm decision. But having player buy-in is an important part of this process. When something comes up and you just don't quite know how to handle it and you feel like looking it up in the book is going to take too much out of the game, out of the moment, make your ruling, get the player's buy-in, and move on. And I think you'll find that that makes for a much more pleasant, fun experience. The fourth lesson was the touchstone approach. From the beginning of the Stack of Dice podcast, the way I wanted to approach the game was to have very specific key events that would happen from time to time. So the players getting to that first pillar and having that climactic battle with Kaluakos, the barbarian atop it, that was a keystone, a touchstone event. There are others coming up in the very near future of the game that the story is going to drive toward that point. But in between... They can go wherever they want. They can do whatever they want. As long as the players are having fun exploring, as long as the players are having fun growing in the world and doing stuff, have at it. I want them to feel like the world is their own. I want them to feel like they can go anywhere, do anything, climb that mountain over there, explore this cave over here. I may not be prepared for it, but you know what? That's part of the fun of the game. I feel like we've been pretty successful I feel like we have done an adequate job, could be better, it could always be better, of letting the players really decide 
what's going on next. And I think that has opened up the world, has given them a sense of agency in the world. By letting the story wander in between major events, you're basically saying, this is our world. And another benefit to this is this wandering approach in between touchstone events also prevents you from having to cram world history in. If you're going with a very regimented, this is the way the story goes railroad approach, there may not be an issue with that. Your players may be new. They may like that style of gaming, but there's a maybe a feeling of having to cram world history in to make sure that everything you planned is in the game. By doing it this way, you're able to reveal the history of the world a little more freely, a little more organically. You're able to introduce regional politics. You're able to bring up local concerns that would otherwise be lost in a railroad-style game. And it's done in a way that then becomes more organic to the game. It doesn't feel like you're shoehorning in all this information. The players are discovering it as they go. And so I have found my lesson through this is let the players uncover the world history through this more free and open way of approaching the game. It's been a lot of fun. Speaking of fun, that's my fifth lesson. Have fun. We get together to play this game to have fun. And as a dungeon master, guess what? You're playing too. And if you're not having fun, then the game isn't working. So if timelines are too crazy, if scheduling things is too difficult, if you feel like you're taking on a new job just to keep up with game night, maybe it's time to reevaluate. Either have someone else become the dungeon master or back off on the time schedule or maybe have the players come prepared with some information or new aspects of your game world. Put some of the job on them. But however you approach it, make sure that you as the dungeon master are having fun because really your enjoyment of the game is going to help drive the player's enjoyment. If, if the person behind the DM screen looks bored or irritated, the players are going to be that way too. It's going to be very difficult for them to be excited if you're not. And also, let the conversation run a bit. During our Stack of Dice run, we have had plenty of table conversation crop up. For the most part, we chop it out of the episodes proper because we want to stay focused on the story. But we do leave some in. But we do also save much of what we chop out that way for our blooper reels. And so I've tried to preserve that feel of being at the table, of enjoying side conversations that really help to make the game special. That's really so much fun is to be a part of that conversational aspect of the game. So have fun, loosen up, find ways for you to have fun, for you to be engaged in the way you want to be as a dungeon master. And I think you'll find that the game becomes a lot more enjoyable for everyone. The final lesson I have is to give up. <laughs> and by that, I don't mean stop playing. What I mean is give up that feeling of needing to control everything in the game. For one thing, the dice do that for us. Uh, you can have the greatest plan in the world, but as soon as you roll those dice, uh, there's no telling what's going to happen. So don't be afraid if the die roll does not align with what you've had planned. Be prepared to give control over to different elements of the story. And you know what? Players are like human dice. <laughs> they can take that story and they can go in directions you never anticipated. So be prepared for your players to do stuff 
and don't feel like, oh no, they've taken the story from me and they're, they're, they're destroying my story. It's not your story. It is your story as a group. And so be ready for players to inject themselves into your world, to want to help fashion the story. Let the players create. Give them some agency. Let them come up with descriptions. I've really appreciated doing that with the players from time to time, letting them describe things, maybe smells or sensations or observations or things like that. It really is fun to let their minds go to work because number one, uh, they may add elements to a description, to a scene that you never would have thought of, and it immediately improves the storytelling. But number two, it also allows you as a dungeon master time to think. So while they are taking time to come up with adding details and so forth, you can then be reevaluating, okay, based on what they're saying, here's, and so you're, you're giving yourself, it's almost like a hidden pause to allow yourself to regather your thoughts, to redirect your thoughts, to prepare a new thing. So you're giving yourself time to help make the story better. So when I say give up dungeon masters, I don't mean stop. Of course, what I mean is don't be afraid to hand over control of the story in a way that helps to make it better. Now, I'm sure there are more lessons that I could share, but I wanted to share these in particular. And I think our Stack of Dice run has shown that these lessons have been helpful because we are starting to see some significant boosts to our listening, to our downloads. So stackers, if you are actively listening to the show, I really, 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 really want to thank you because we've seen some bumps in our numbers and it's been very encouraging. Hopefully you are enjoying the show. Hopefully you're sharing your enjoyment with others, telling other people about it. Please do. And in fact, we recently got a five-star rating from Nova the Novian with the title, Just Like Reading a Book. And Nova says, this narration is just like reading or listening to a fantasy book. If you are Nova the Novian, please know that we genuinely appreciate your feedback. Thank you for taking the time to leave a rating and a review. And if you haven't yet done that, please do so. Please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. And for stackers everywhere, stay tuned for the blooper reel. I know we keep talking about this. Some health-related events have come up that have prevented us from meeting. But hopefully, hopefully, hopefully... Within the next couple weeks, we'll be able to get together to record the filler stuff to tie together the blooper reel elements. I'm looking forward to it. And we always, always, always love putting together those blooper reels. So we're really looking forward to getting that ready to put into your ears. I don't want to let an episode end without asking stackers if anything that we've said in this episode has struck a spark. If so, please do feel free to contact us. You can catch us on Twitter and Instagram at stackodice or by email at stack.o.dice at gmail.com. As always, we love that you listen. We hope that you're enjoying what we're putting together. We're enjoying our summer break and the relaxation of strict scheduled release times. But we do want to try and keep up some, but we always miss our actual play episodes, and we can't wait to have you at our table again next time, right here at Stack of Dice.